right, assalamualaikum. Welcome to the Dope Muslim Woman Podcast. This is your host, Sabria Mills, and I am completely excited because I have um, someone that I have low-key looked up for, looked up to for like a lot of years. She probably don't know it, but I've low-key been looking up to her for a long time. So I'm super, super excited. Um, this is an amazing episode. This is an amazing episode that we have here um, today titled The Power to Be True, uh, When Love Inspires. And I'm going to introduce our guest. So she is a lifestyle blogger, a self-care enthusiast, <laughs> an established poet, um, singer. Um, she has, uh, she's also a Zumba instructor. She created um, a, a recent experience with her husband called the Vibe Experience, which I think we'll talk a little bit about. Um, but most importantly, I think what I personally know about this guest and what most people can attest to is that she's just authentically who she is, unapologetically. Um, that's why we call that we're calling this episode the power to be true, because that's exactly um, who she is, right? So our guest is none only none other than Sister BB Watts. Assalamualaikum, sister. Welcome to the show. Hey, welcome to my app. That was really nice. That was cool. I like that. <laughs> it feels weird. <laughs> it feels so awkward anytime anybody's introducing me because it's like I'm just this like nobody that's sitting somewhere just wanting to inspire people. So I really appreciate that. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I completely understand that. But you never really understand the scope of how far you can inspire people and how far reaching that inspiration is. And sometimes I think one of the things I was reflective about when I was thinking about just you is, you know, cause I've known you for quite some time and I'm like, I, yo, that's why I say low key have always looked up to you, but I, I never told you that, which is kind of unfortunate. Yeah. It's unfortunate. I've looked up to you in the same way and for different reasons, I'm sure, but yeah. I've looked up to you yeah. and your grace and just the way you Thank treat you. people and the way I can see the problem. I'm going to through your actions and just always oh, been an wow. amazing experience. <laughs> exactly. You don't even know, right? And so that's you the beauty of having conversations. Right. There you go. There you go. We need to get into the habit of telling each other more, sis. It's really important. We really. So, alhamdulillah, we have her here as a guest, and we're going to really get into um, a couple of things, get into her life. Um, She's going to tell us a little bit about her story. Um, Because to me, when I think about you, um, Bibi, I think that you're just a creative would you classify Absolutely. yourself as that? Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. It's the easiest way I, because I'm, I've dabbled and dabbled in so many things that creative really can encompass all of that. Mm-hmm. For sure. And I, just, for sure. I don't like to be boxed in and I never have, even when I was a little girl. So a creative just gives me the opportunity and anyone that knows that I'm a creative to know that I am going to do whatever I want. At any point, I'm not going to hold myself back and, and say, well, no, I'm just this. And so that's what I'm going to be. I'll continue to evolve mm-hmm. and create. So. Right. Right. So I wanted to. I'm sorry. Yeah, for sure. No, 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 no. That's an important point. I wanted to just ask you when, um, you know, when did you become aware? When did you become aware that you had this artistic ta- talent that you was a creative was it um, always or yeah well not always so I, of course I've been running since I was nine but I used to just kind of like journal which I wish 
I still did. And sometimes I, I try to force myself to do, but it's different now. However, I used to journal because I was really angry as a child, honestly. And I didn't start intentionally writing poetry until about 12. My two sisters, my two older sisters got married on the same weekend. And that's really like, that was my bonding force. Them being there and being my, you know, my guide and my sisters and my best friends. When they left, I wrote this super whack corny poem <laughs> that I shared with them. And it was like, I remember two lines from it. I said, I know you're not leaving my life, but it feels like you're cutting my heart with a knife. <laughs> I always think about that's that. Like, so that is cute. so whack. But it was so morbid. Like, yo. <laughs> but anyway, at, at around the age of 12, I, I realized that I was a creative. I was an artist. I was somebody who enjoyed using this to get my feelings out and it was a catharsis for me so i think i would say around 12 but i didn't actually start sharing with the world until much later in life through different experiences that actually gave me the courage to do that yeah yeah for sure so 12 years old wow yeah, um that's young. so yeah so were you almost immediately um confident with this talent like okay you realize that you're kind of artistic now I'm just gonna create or was it a process I mean obviously you were really young yeah it was definitely okay. a process I yeah. started sharing with like my mother and a few of my siblings but no one knew for a really long time because I was just too shy about it I was just too nervous and even though they always you know they were almost always my fans and always pushed me to keep writing I had a little book and I would, you know, print out every single thing and I would put it in this book. But for a long time, I didn't share. I just, I felt those feelings of insecurity, like it wasn't good enough. And I'm a perfectionist or I'm a, I'm a recovering perfectionist. So um, <laughs> at that point in time, I was just like, this is not good enough to share with anybody outside of my blood. And so I'm just going to, it's going to be for me right now. So mm. it took a long time to get to that place. Yeah. Yeah. And did you struggle at all with like, you know, I know you say you were a perfectionist, but did you struggle with confidence, uh, you know, with your work and just with yourself at that point? Or? Absolutely. I come from a family. My father was, um, well, he, he comes from a mixed family and my mother is, you know, just straight African-American. And so my grandmother on my father's side was really, um, she was a colorist. And so she would do things like, yeah, girl. So I struggled with my big nose and my fat face and my big lips. And I was, you know, one of the darker. My mother had eight children and it was four light skin and then four dark skin. <laughs> so mm. she treated us four dark skin children differently than those four that were light skin. So I was aware that I was, you know, I was aware of colorism in a lot at a very young age. And that became a really big um, insecurity for me. So it took me talking to myself and through journaling to like, oh, I'm okay with this. I'm okay with being different from my younger sister who's lighter, whose hair is softer. And it's sad because it started right at home and it's not supposed to be that way. So I struggle with that. I struggle with confidence, you know, for, for other reasons. But yeah, it was a struggle. And honestly, there wasn't any class I took or any um, counseling I took to get to where I'm at. It was literally mm -hmm. me falling and then telling myself, girl, you better get up. You don't mm -hmm. have no other choice. You know what I'm saying? 
So living. And I, I'm just curious. So through this, at, during this time frame, you were kind of experiencing some of this, uh, some of these, um, you had some of these experiences rather, um, and you were struggling with confidence. At, at what point did maybe like just your relationship with the law sort of kind of connect you to yourself? Did that happen later in life? Did that happen when you were a teenager? It did happen when I was a teenager. You know, I come from, and it's interesting because you said that I want to add anything to the introduction. And I think what I would add is that I'm a Muslim, I'm a wife, and I'm a mother. Because before mm-hmm. any of those other things, any of the creative and the art and all of that, for one, I've been Muslim longer than I've been anything because I started as a Muslim. So I love to identify with that. And then I've been a wife and mother for the majority of my life, which really changes you in certain ways. Um, so I come from a community of uh, students of the Sufi sciences. And at some point, I think I was, what, 24, I went and I visited my spiritual leader. And that gave me, that filled me in so many different ways. The way that he poured into us, it was me and like four or five other ladies. Um, and this was in Pakistan. And he just poured so much knowledge and so much softness and so much of who we are and who we're meant to be and what we're supposed to give to the world. He poured that into me and the other ladies that I was with. And when I came back, I just felt like a new woman, like, oh, I got this. Like, whatever it is, I got it. I'm going to like triumph no matter what. And so I was 24 at that time. And that Mm. really gave me like a different look at Allah and who he is and who he was and who he could be by me seeking him in a different way. And so, yeah, I I remember it was kind of like a rebirth and I've, you know, I've rebirthed a lot of times in my life and I'm going to continue to do that. (laughs) But at that point, I knew I was who I was supposed to be and I was going to continue to grow into whoever that was. Mm, SubhanAllah. And, you know, that kind of makes me um, reflect back when I met you. So, ooh, girl, because um, I think our kids yeah. were, were our kids four. So I'm thinking I had to be close to 10 years ago the first time maybe I met you because yeah. somebody was in a stroller. Yeah. I'm not sure um, who was in a stroller, but was it your daughter? No, it was my yeah, daughter. Yeah, it was your daughter. No, it was my daughter because she, okay. she was about six months old. Muzemil, mm-hmm. which is a 14-year-old, he was about five, four or five. five. So yep. you're right. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and girl, so mm, yeah, <laughs> that was an interesting time period in my life. <laughs> but you and you and me both, girl. But um, <laughs> but I want to say that's what I wanted to speak to though, just like just the process of transformation, because I'm like yeah. just personally seeing. I mean, back then I want to say that you were still a poet and a singer. I want to say you I identified do. as a a singer, um, you were a mother, you were a wife at the time. Um, and, um, you know, that, that's something that kind of has stuck with you throughout time, mm-hmm. but I did still see so much evolution of who you are. Like, yes. you know, and I understand that as artists and as creatives, we, you know, we all go through shifts. We all, um, go through immense change. That's kind of the beauty of being a creative, but can you share a bit more about how, what your evolution has been like as a woman? Ooh, how do I even talk about that? Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's serious. <laughs> it is. I think um, I think it's hard for us, especially as Muslim women, to evolve and really find who we are, just because we're we're expected to be 
and I'm just going to say this, girl, you know, I'm a realist. I think Please. we're expected to be by the Islamic community so little. Mm-hmm. And it's expected that we're supposed to be mothers and wives and servants of Allah and that's me. And I'm saying servants of Allah, of course, we're going to be that no matter what. And that's that's already big, right? But there's so much more outside of those things. So once I felt comfortable with knowing it's okay to pursue something outside of just sitting at home and having children and being um, subservient to a man, I decided that I'm, I'm not going to allow myself to be anything less than whatever it is that I want to reach for. So it's, I mean, and you know, I've been, I, I was divorced twice. Um, if you really want to count the two from one man, my daughter's father, that's three. I've had three divorces. So each time I fall and I fall hard and it's okay because I get back up and I allow myself to move forward. And with, with whatever that pain is, it gives you more courage every single time. So it's grueling. It's hard. But what I've tried to do is be honest with myself and honest with the public too. So I don't live separate lives. Like there's a lot of people you can see on social media and you'll find that they're one way on their Instagram or their Facebook. And then when you meet them in person, it's like, I don't know what a disappointment. Right. <laughs> like, yeah, I have a few expectations, but I really right. try to, I don't, it's not even said that I try. It's just, I am who I am. And right now, this is who I am. And if you like that, then we're going to rock. And if you don't, then we're not. And, you know, and maybe in six months, I'm going to evolve into something different. And I really think it boils down to giving yourself permission to just be who and what you're supposed to be at that moment in time. Mm. Mm. And that can evolve and change. Absolutely. And, that can, and it does. Yes. And it's supposed it to continue. Right. 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 Wow. Um, and so when we when I think about like where you were at that time, you know, just as you went over to like I said, you one central theme is you being a poet, you being a singer. How has even that shifted and changed? Because you've done a lot, especially in recent years and just in yeah. a leadership capacity with Absolutely. the arts. So can you talk a little bit about that and that journey? Yes. And I think, um, so I'm a poet, but at some point I, I became, um, it became really hard for me to write poetry specifically. I used to write Nasheed as well. And it used to be so easy for me to do that. But because I'm a writer, I can write kind of like anything, but it's so hard for me to write poetry or music at this point in time. And I don't know why I want to get back into that. So instead of me allowing that weakness or that shortcoming, um, kind of like rule me, what I've done is kind of evolved into this uh, public speaker, blogger, and event hostess, you know, you know, with my partner, my husband. And so I think that it's, it's really about soaring with your strengths. And right now I'm really good at doing that. And so it's okay. <laughs> it's okay to be something different than I was. I'm not going to force poetry out and and deliver something that's whack or subpar because that's who everybody knows BB to be. Everybody knows BB as the poet. That's the, mm-hmm. it's not, you know, don't, I'm just not going to hold myself down like that. So um, at this point, I mean, and I love bringing people together. That's the social activism part. Because when I saw activists, I'm like, what exactly? Like, yeah. Why would you look at me in that way? But really, yeah. what we do together, my husband and I, is we bring people from all different backgrounds. Mm-hmm. You know, um, religious, racial, ethnic, economic, 
into the same room and we either put on a really good dope show or we have a really experiential, deep, heavy conversation. And I think that that is important. And I think that's part that's part of what we leave out a lot of times when we're talking about activism is that conversation in the room where everybody in here doesn't like each other, but we in here together for a common goal. So I've allowed myself to become more of just a freelance writer and an event hostess where I'm touching and feeling people, you know, in a different way than I used to. And that's become okay for me and even something that I enjoy a lot. And it's, you know, and it's not that I'm not a poet anymore, but it's just that, you know, like you said, it's just that the evolution and the growth and allowing myself to just be whatever it is. Right, right, absolutely. So I want to, you know, when you talked about that and touched on like the activism piece, so I want to touch back to your blog. You call yourself the resistance blogger. Does that have a story behind it? Why you classify yourself as the resistance blogger? Yeah, um, I guess because of the way that I was raised, um, being so different from every room that I walked into, uh, whether it was because I was actually from a, a specific sect and, you know, we're just Muslim. Everybody wants to just be Muslim. And um, and that's okay. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. I respect everybody and everybody's path. But um, my parents always pushed us to be something more, something deeper than the surface. So um, when I first started blogging, it was just because I had gotten laid off. You know, I'm in the mortgage industry for my nine to five and I had gotten laid off and I was just tired of the back and forth and just being on somebody else's clock. So I'm like, there is a different way to go about this. You know, I have a big, loud mouth. (laughs) I want to be able to say whatever the heck I want to say, whenever I want to say it. So I decided to start blogging. And at, at that point, I was just, you know, a lifestyle blogger. You know, it's about fashion. It's about makeup. It's about food. But that's not really who I am. Now, I love fashion. I love makeup. And I love food. But that's not who I am at the core. So I decided I don't see a lot of the bloggers that I follow and love. Them talking about like this real heavy stuff that's really important. That's about change. That's about healing. That's about growth. That's about weakness. That's about vulnerability. And so I'm resisting being just a lifestyle blogger or a fashion or travel or food blogger. And so that's why I chose to be the resistance blogger because it lets you know right offhand that this is not just me passing time. This is about a passion and this is about something that's much deeper than just the surface. Right, right. That's exactly what I pulled from it. Honestly, I didn't know the story behind it. Um, but that, and that's kind of why I'm like, well, I always kind of thought you were an activist because you were always pretty vocal. Um, you never were quiet about issues that mattered, um, right. especially when it comes to people of color, um, the struggles that we've went through or uh, go through as black people. Um, yeah. I think you're really vocal about it. You're kind of on the front lines with it a lot of times. Um, mm-hmm. So that's why I definitely hands down classify you as um, an activist, but um, the resistance blogger piece really like that, that hits me, you know what I mean? Like yeah. that really, really touched me. Cause that, yeah, it's almost like you're resisting the status quo, right? Like, exactly. resi- you know, like, exactly. yeah. yeah. <laughs> Going against the grain girl. Yep. There you go. And then I, I hate go. the way Muslim, and you know what? I, this is not just Muslim. Women are silenced. It's not just Muslim women. 
Women are silenced a lot of time, especially in corporate, in these big companies. You know, I work in corporate and it's just like, they can't stand me. My manager came to me one day and was like, Asma, you know, that's my first name. Asma, <laughs> I really, I need you. I need you on my team because you have so much power. And when people have power like you, and I'm like, I'm not going. I don't care what you need. Nope, I'm going to speak up. If y'all are not treating us right, if you're not treating people right, I'm not going to keep my mouth shut. Women are silent so much and I'm so tired of it. So my, it's not only just me be resisting, it's me calling other women to account. Don't, don't shut up because anybody told you to or because you feel that your voice is not strong enough or courageous enough. Mm-mm, I don't believe in that. So, mm, so that's really girl. what... <laughs> Girl. Well, that leads me to my next point. And that's, you know, what I was mentioning, the piece on just Black empowerment. Mm-hmm. Um, you were pretty vocal a little bit. I don't know how, you know, just about Black love. And I know we're going to get ready to get into your love story. I can't wait. But uh, <laughs> before we even segue into that, tell me why that's so important to you. Um, you know, when we talk about, you know, whether it's Black love or just the empowerment of our people, why is that something that's so near and dear? Um because we've been we've been torn down for so long that we need as many examples as possible as of not just um, black empowerment but most importantly black love. Um, mm. Again, I was divorced three times, so I feel that separation of the family. I feel it in my own home. It's hard to work against it. My parents have been married for 54 years this year. And so wow. it's always been, yeah, it's kind of, and, and it's like, I go, I, still to this day, I go back and forth with the shame of, uh, you know, how come I couldn't just, you know? And it's like, how did they? But at the same time, on the opposite end, it's like, well, some of the stuff that my homie dealt with, I, <laughs> I ain't feeling yeah. safe for that joint. So. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, um, it's really important for our children to have these examples. And if I can do nothing else than to inspire them to be the best that they can and to show them that Black love, no matter how many times it, it fails us, it, it uh, helps us and it moves us forward as well. So it's like, you know, I may have been divorced, but I'm married. And I have a good man and I found a good father for y'all. And that's important. It's so important for our children. It's so important for us to change what the, that vicious cycle in the family, in the home, in the community, and then at large. So that's why it's so important to me. And then also, um, I don't know that a lot of people know this, but I grew up in a, in a community where the community is predominantly African-American. But we were kind of hushed, you know, being uh, identifying with the black American culture was hushed. So Mm. once I, yeah, once I moved out of my parents' home, it was like, okay, now I can feel free. I can actually live this and it's okay if they don't like it, but this is actually who I am. And I can't Mm. live for other people. Um, I have to live for a law and for who I actually am, you know? So it's really important. And I want to instill that, that same feeling in my children. So, um, right. and that same pride. Right. Well, um, so our spiritual leader is, is a Pakistani, um, Indian by birth, but Indian by culture rather, but Pakistani by, um, he, he lives in Pakistan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
So the culture of the community was more Pakistani. So we were called Black Pakistanis, you know. <laughs> oh, <laughs> we were okay. So, but we, we were showing Kamis, you know, we didn't identify with being Black at all. We was eating the Pakistani food, you know, dressing, living that lifestyle as if that's who we were, were in America. And so for so long, and I love the community I come from. And that's, you know, the idea is not too bad now. I love the community. It taught me everything that I know about Islam. It is my foundation, literally. But that piece was missing for me because I, I always identified with the fact that I was Black. And I always loved it, you know? But it was just kind of like, well, Black American culture is not Islamic culture. Right, so right. let's just not talk about that. Let's not identify with that. We're going to identify with this because, you know, this is overseas. And, you know, Muslims come from overseas. It's just so many, uh, girl, it's so heavy. <laughs> right. But, you know, so many of our communities, and regardless of which community you're in, went through that same experience, you know, where it's like, you know, being who we were is not considered Islamic. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And so that's why it's so important. I want them to grow up being proud of being Muslim, proud of being Black, proud of being American, which, you know, that comes with a lot, but if that's who we are. <laughs> that's what we right. are. We can't deny that. And so I want to make sure that I instill that in them and all the things that I believe. So, yeah. Mm. Mm, that's powerful. That's a really powerful piece. Well, sis, I'm a, you know, I really want us to talk a little bit deeply about this next particular question because, I mean, you mentioned pretty candidly, um, you know, you, you've been divorced, you know, three times. I know by, you know, two different brothers, but three times. And, you know, when I met you, I, you know, I, you were married, you know, to one of those brothers. And, um, you know, like I said, even through that, has man, has there been a transformation? So yeah. I, I <laughs> know you got married. I want to hear a little bit about your love story. But I just want to say this. As an outside person looking in, I am like, that's why I, that's why I thought of like this title when love inspires. Because that's exactly mm -hmm. what it looks like. It looks like yeah. this really inspirational love that just kind of allowed you to blossom and just be like just just be you like you know just beautiful so I, I want you to break it down for us a little bit about your love story and how it's really shifted you and impacted you mm. okay yeah. so <laughs> so it makes me smile okay so I was in, and I'm, I'm honest okay and I get emotional too so I was in a really low spot actually when I met my husband and I um, I was living alone. I was, well, actually no, I was living with my sister. Her family and my family were living together. So um, I was working at this job and you know, this Christian, African-American, really fine, fine man. Really, really fine. <laughs> <laughs> he came to me just you know one day I had just started working there and he came, he literally just walked up to me and he, he put his hand out and um and I'm one of the Muslim women that shake hands and you know when he, mm -hmm. we talk about in public I'm, I'm one of the most of us shake like, we just okay. may not admit it go ahead go right. ahead <laughs> Loki, hey, you, know, you know talk about each other but you know you be shaking hands right anyway I know that <laughs> But anyway, so he's, you know, he, he put his hand out and he was like, um, hello, my name is Jonathan. <laughs> I'm like, okay, whatever. 
but he was so intense. Like he, he's just the kind of man that when you walk, when he walks into the room, you can feel his energy walk into the room, literally. And so, and I, that's the kind of man my father is. So he's like a whole man, right? My father, I was raised in poverty. My father will go, well, he didn't have a car for a long time. He would go on the bus with big duffel bags and, and trash bags to the grocery store. And he would make sure we had food for a month. That's the type of man I need. You know what I'm saying? Like I need a whole man. And th this man was that. And so when I saw him, it was kind of like, it was like a heartbreak because, okay, this is an inopportune time. I'm in a really low place. I don't need this. And he ain't Muslim, so he's not halal for me anyway. So I'm going to ignore as much of him as I can <laughs> and just try to live my life. So that's what I tried to do. I just started kind of just, you know, I don't know who this is, why or what. And so I'm just going to ignore him. So he comes, he he um, shakes my hand and he says, you know, my name is Jonathan. And then we just, you know, have good conversations. We're working together. He's my manager, actually. I was working at a call center. And so he was my manager <laughs> at the time. And so I had to deal with him. So it was like this energetic thing that was be this vibe. We just, it was, uh, it was magnetic, girl. So, um, you know, as I started learning his story, he had gone to middle school at a school that was owned and run by Muslims. So the majority of his teachers were male Muslims. The owners of the school were Muslim. You know, like a lot of the people that he looked up to were Muslim. So when he saw me, um, he was like, this is a sign for sure. This is a sign. So um, so we started talking. We started hanging out. We started, you know, chilling. And I'm just, you know, being real honest. At, you know, after my first divorce, I was like, I'm not marrying anybody that I don't know. Because I just can't live my life. <laughs> Literally, yeah, I can't, you know, and then I got children and, you know, it's important to know who this person is. So anyway, um, I mean, I'm not just chilling, not like just, you know, going to each other's house and stuff like that, but we would have lunch together. We would have conversation. And at some point I decided I was going to tell my father, girl, why did I do that? <laughs> I told my father and he was like, I know you lie. <laughs> this is not how I raised you. I don't want to have anything to do with you. Like it got really serious, girl. Really? No, absolutely. Really? Like, he didn't talk to me for a really? long time. Girl, this is on the podcast. This is real. I don't think I can listen to it. <laughs> But that's real. Like that's part of the story because mm -hmm. it was the risk that I was worth. I was. I, I knew he was worth taking. I knew that this man was a good enough man, was a good enough father. And what I always say is that he's a really good man, but he's an amazing father. Mm. Like literally in that manner. And so my father, you know, he stopped talking to me or whatever. And my mother had. She's like one of those people that she's just so for love and she's so supportive no matter what. May Allah bless her. May Allah bless mm -hmm. them. I mean, and so she supported me through it, but she gave Jonathan a really, really hard time. And she, you know, she let him have it a couple of times. But at some point he decided, it, and I think it was, what, 2016, I was on my way to get my son. He was living with his father at the time. And he decided he was going to take Shahada and he wasn't going to tell me. And so he did. <laughs> he took ah. Shahada. Uh-huh. I think it was the first Juma of Ramadan, actually, 
2016. That's what it was. Yeah. And um, and so after that, of course, you know, my heart settled a little bit because now he's halal. <laughs> so, <laughs> so interesting enough, if I if I could just you know move things forward. Yeah. Um, yeah. Before my father, my father and my mother were were staying with me for a while. Um, after my husband and I married. And this was October 2016. And before my father left, he told me, I want you to know that that is a good man. And you made a really good decision. And girl, do you know, I have held that with me all this time. Because it, it, it's it's just, it's a good feeling when your father approves, you know? Like your mother, your mother's supporting you. Your mother's going to support you no matter what. You could literally be in the trenches, you know, doing all kinds of crazy stuff. And your mother's going to support you. <laughs> Right, that's just how right. our hearts work, you know? But your father, he's not about that bold. So for him to say that to me, it gave me a freedom to love him in a different way. SubhanAllah. So, um, but you know, what changed me so much, honestly, and what the evolution was and the freedom was, was that I had never been with a person that was so eager to love me and so eager to love me so deeply. And, and so that changed me because, you know, I have all of this baggage and all of this um, experience behind me that society looks at like a bad thing. You know, she got children from another man or men, or she has divorces, mm-hmm. yep. you know, oh, she's this, oh, she's that. And so he was like, I don't care about none of that. Let's strip, strip all of that down. I'm just going to love you from the inside out. And I had never had that experience before, you know? So that changes you. It really does. When somebody just loves you raw and naked, it's different. Yeah. Yeah. It's different. Absolutely. Oh my gosh, girl, I got good, I have goosebumps. <laughs> I have goosebumps. Um, man, so now, now I'm just, this is a curious question. The brother, he's from the continent, right? He's African, right? Well, okay. is he, or so no. his father is African. I mean, like okay. African. Right. <laughs> I mean, you know, straight from the yeah, 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 straight from the motherland. Um, thick accent, everything, and <laughs> okay, you know, like authentic African Nigerian, uh-huh. and his uh-huh. mother is African American. So, um, nice. yeah, so he's actually still be going very soon because it'll be his first time. He's never been there. And so it's funny because after we got married, he was like, you're more African than I am. Because I listened to the music. Right. I love the food. I was African before he met me. You know what I'm saying? Mm, mm. But yeah, so he's a half African. He's half Nigerian and half uh, African-American. And half you know, black. from, yeah, half black. So I have, okay. So now, okay. So after you got married and everybody saw, and everybody saw the pictures and y'all just looked like black love defined. Um, so... <laughs> But from that point, you know, you guys took that love and poured it into, you know, what what really makes you you, right? The arts and right. all that. And I'm assuming yes. that made him, because I know he did some poetry and such. Could you talk a little bit about how y'all fused um, together in that capacity? Yeah, so we are, um, he's, a, he's a creative too. He's an artist too. And that was one of the ways that we were really be, we were really able to get into one another on such a deep level because we both love fashion. We both love um, poetry. He's, he raps and we both love just being creative in, in so many different ways. So we decided why not make this a business and not even just make it a business, make it a community, make it something that everybody can benefit from. You know, in every way. So that's when we started 
um, you know, to be more, which means to become more, you know, to be more than you were today, be more than you are today than you were yesterday. And so we decided that was going to be a platform for us. It's kind of like share black love, black experience, humanize the Muslim experience as black Americans, art, just everything. It's just like a burst of this love that we want to give to everybody and not like that romantic love, but just love for the community and love for what we're here to do. And, and we believe that that's really just bringing people together. Mm-hmm. So you guys did, um, was it like a talk show that you guys did together? I know you guys did the vibe experience. Yes, as well. vibe experience. Mm-hmm. So we've done a vibe experience. Um, we've never done a talk show. We started a YouTube, but that was kind of, I'm not really like into YouTube, honestly. I've tried to get this it for a long time. It's just not my thing, yeah. honestly. Okay. Um, the vibe experience is where we kind of put on a really good show. We have some poets that we get lined up and then we have an open mic, you know, it's all different kinds of arts with poetry, it's singing. Um, and then we have a conversation too. So I, I kind of, you can say it's like a talk show, but it's more of like just an, an art show and where we bring everybody together, where we could just really enjoy each other's company. And then we did, you know, we hosted the Black Iftar. So I'm not sure if you're referencing that, but that's not mm-hmm. our thing. That's, that's the okay. And we just was one of the locations right. that chose to, you know, be a part of that beautiful thing. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Wow. Um, well, that's really inspiring. I wanted to just kind of touch back to an important point. We had a few sisters on the first season, um, just sharing, it really was one in particular, but just sharing the story of, you talked about when someone loves you raw and naked, like mm-hmm. that deep love. And, and it's really true. When you see women love that way, it's mm-hmm. like almost like what they become, like they become a force to be reckoned with. Absolutely. It's like really something about be in love that deeply that just really unleashes the woman. Did you feel that way? That you just felt unleashed and empowered? And, yeah. Yes. Yeah. And he pushes me even to this day. Like he helps me a lot. We just, everything. And I, I failed to mention that when someone takes shahada, when someone has were, was raised a certain way and they decide to change their life, to do something and change, like to, to focus in a different way and change habits and change everything literally it gives us muslims that were born muslim a different appreciation for islam because it was it was kind of like spoon fed to us so a lot of times we take a lot of things for granted but him doing that and me watching his transformation gave me a deeper love for being muslim and going through all the things that i've gone through and then kind of like touching back to oh this is my core these are my roots where did i fall short and how, how can i pick up now to find that again so that helped me um become a better muslim i, I definitely know it did but i think i forgot what the question was I, i'm just like yeah no 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 we, we were just speaking about you know the power of being loved deeply and with that oh yeah mm. Yeah, yeah, and I know you like, like you say you're in a, in a low place, um, but the the hurt and the pain mm. that you went through, and like you said, you you bringing that into yeah. you, someone loving you past that, right? Yeah. Just loving you past all yeah, and accepting it, and accepting right. it, being like it's okay, it's okay. And I've been through enough to be courageous enough to do the same. You know, because he had he was previously married. He has two children as well. So we, you know, it's already hard enough to be married. It's hard enough to have children, you know. But then when you have 
children from a, a previous relationship and now we're married and we're blending families, that's a different kind of a struggle. It's a different kind of, um, it, it's just different, a lot different. And I think it adds to the dynamic of what the family is and how it already struggles to stay together in this particular society. So um, being able to love each other in that way with our experiences, it helps and it deepens the love and it deepens the struggle, but it deepens the understanding as well. So um, I don't know, it's just really beautiful. It really, really, really is. Especially when you come from so much struggle, it's like, ah, you can breathe a little bit. It's just such a blessing from Allah. I wanted, I wanted to see if you could, you know, drop some, some wisdom, maybe some advice, some tips. Um, now I'm, I'm going to start at the love place and then I'll kind of move on to the artistry piece. But, um, in regard, you know, you mentioned you met him, wasn't Muslim off the bat. Some sisters may say X, I'm just, as you kind of did, you tried to do you know, right. yeah. what, what would be your advice to women in regards to just having an open mind when it comes, because a lot of sisters, you know this, but a lot of Definitely. our single sisters are struggling when it comes yeah. to even our own men, you know, mm-hmm. you know, we're not even going to get on that as um, far right. as being, mar- <laughs> you know, finding quality men to marry. So what, what would right. be your advice to the women out there? Um, Be open. I think it's really important for us to be open and for Okay, so let me back up. Forget being open, and I'm going to say that. But the most important thing is to exemplify who and what you're supposed to be as a Muslim. And I know that we struggle and we fall, but if you're okay with living as a Muslim and okay with people knowing that you're Muslim and you live that way and that's what they see, then it's going to be easier for them to accept you and your ways. So um, when they meet you and as they learn about you, they already know who and what you are. So they won't step. It's like, I think that made it a lot easier for him is because he already knew who and what I was. So it wasn't like, oh, um, and this is not to speak about anybody, but I have to be honest. He was like, you know, I already know that you're Muslim. When you walk in the room, everybody knows you're Muslim. You wear it with you. You're, you know, you're a walking ambassador of Islam. So for one, stand in what your truth is and then be open. Because you don't know what Allah is going to do. You have no clue. You know, mm. I mean, call yourself to account for your behavior. You know, hijab is not just the the head covering. It's the way you talk, the way you carry yourself, it's the way you treat people, it's the way you treat yourself. So be mindful of those things, but be open. And make dua, you know, we, we, our parents say make dua for, my daughter would be like, I want some orange juice. I'd be like, make dua. But like, for real, for real, make yeah. dua. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. Real, Allah can change hearts. Mm. He really can, and He does, and I've seen that. So, right, right. so stand in wow. your truth, be pop, be proud of who you are, and then be open. And what about the aspect of women that um, are divorced and have children? Um, you know, even just navigating that mindset. How do you push past that to also be open in that way? Um, you you also push back past the men that don't want to deal with it. You be honest. you know what I'm saying. Like there are men, no yeah. seriously, because there are right. men that see it as a baggage and walk the other way. Do not do not convince anybody. I am not in the business of convincing anybody of anything. I am convinced of who I am, and I'm convicted. And if you're not with that 
at face value and the, the first time we talk, I'm literally turning around and walking away. Do not waste your time with anybody because you have children or have a divorce or two under your belt does not make you any less valuable. Right. So if you know those things already, it doesn't stop you from, you know, um, seeking what you deserve. Our Allah has already said you're deserving of this. Come on. So just, you know, stand in that. And I know that takes time for people and it may take experience and different things. But if you tell yourself that every single day, you're, you'll be fine. You know, don't, don't waste your time for anybody that doesn't see the value in you. Wow. Wow. Girl, that's powerful. Um, <laughs> so in the aspect of living authentically true um, and being able to take that truth, that passion, that purpose and allow um, yourself to be comfortable enough to express it and share it with the world. What are some ways women can start that process of being really true to who they are? Yeah. Wow, that's a really tough question. It's a heavy question, I know. It's heavy, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, because how do you do that? I mean, I know the way that I did it was I I really fed myself affirmations. Um, And I think that started after I had my first child. It, you know, I thought I had the best body like in the world, girl. I literally was just super <laughs> conceited about my actual physique and it was bad. <laughs> and nobody told me that all these things were going to happen after I had a child. So I was devastated. I went into a deep depression, postpartum depression, like, hold on. I have stretch marks and nobody told me that this was going to happen. Why? And so I literally started feeding myself affirmations. I would talk to myself in the mirror. I would talk to Allah about these things Mm. and it wasn't that I was questioning him it was more so like help me understand why this is happening help me understand how I get through this thing you have to feed yourself positivity literally it starts in the mind you have to feed yourself positivity and if you feed yourself it long enough it'll change the way you think change the way you move change the way you act So you really have to feed yourself. You can't look to anybody outside of yourself to do that for you. You have to do it for yourself. You have to do it with yourself and you have to do it with Allah. Right. Right. Wow. Wow. Yeah, that um, that's a very important piece. And it's interesting. um, I talked about this before, but um, how a lot of us, you know, I mean, I always say that the non-Muslims or whatever, the mainstream world kind of hijacked this whole idea of affirmations and all this stuff. Yeah. I'm like, that is an Islamic <laughs> principle, right? Like that is so, you know, it is so based on our faith. I am as yes. my servant thinks I am, you know, Absolutely. just starting from that place of how you see yourself, that positivity, mm-hmm. how you see Allah. Exactly. Um, yeah, yeah, subhanAllah. So that's a that's an Islamic principle right there. Absolutely. Um, Mashallah. Well, you know what? This conversation has been really renewing. Um, it's been really, really inspiring. And I just want to thank you for being raw, for being honest, for like really just putting it out there, for sharing, uh, especially so much of your personal life. I really appreciate that and appreciate you for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it too. I'm, I'm always nervous. You know, I was like on a toilet yeah. before we got on. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> it was such a mess. <laughs> That's why it's okay. Because I'm just not a people thinking so no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna laugh. 
But yeah, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. I enjoyed my conversation and hopefully I can kiss your face soon, inshallah. I know, I know. And you know what, um, Aswa, I forgot to ask you our central theme question, but I think it's a great way to end the show. Um, you kind of, you might've already answered it in a lot of your questions, but um, what do you think makes a Muslim woman dope? That is that question that I do need you to answer before you get off. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, okay. So what makes the so many different things? A woman who is not afraid to stand in her Islamic truth, not just her truth, but the Islamic mm-hmm. peace is so important. And whether that is just having hijab and not just the head covering, but having hijab in your, it's like in letter and spirit, living authentically, someone who accepts fear as a challenge. Like it's okay to have fear, but do it anyway. And us to see that you're strong and you're confident, but you can be vulnerable at times as well. So going for things, just being who you are and being that out loud and authentically, I think that's what makes a Muslim woman dope. Yes, 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 yes. And that's a beautiful way to end this conversation. Um, I wanted to just thank um, Asma again, um, B.B. Watts. And if you could just drop some information for all the listeners as to where, I know we mentioned the blog of your projects, where can they find this information um, and where can they find you? Can you drop yes. your website? Uh-huh. Sure. So um, the website is bbwatts.com. Uh, so that's B-I-B-I-W-A-T-T-S.com. I'm on Facebook as bbwatts dash the resistance blogger. I'm on Instagram mm-hmm. as bb underscore watts. And then, although I don't use Twitter very often, I'm, I'm there as well. And it's bbwatts with two S's at the end. Okay, perfect. But far as your website, that's where all your blogs are. That's where. Oh yeah, the website to... is just bbwatch.com. Okay, perfect, perfect. So please check out our sister, support her, um, share her blog. Um, it, it means a lot when people pour their hearts into their creative projects. Um, when people really um, take the time to. Um, share it, like it, and give feedback. I think that's super, super important. Um, Again, thank you so much for joining the show. This is your host, um, Sabria Mills. Please like us on our platforms. We're on Spotify, Apple, uh, Google Podcasts. Again, thank you so much for being here. Until next time, assalamu alaikum. Wa alaikum assalamu alaikum.